You're listening to Faith and Fostering, the podcast where people of faith chat about foster care in the Australian context to encourage, edify and educate others along the journey. Hi everyone, great to be with you today. Merry Christmas to you. It's Heather here today on Faith and Fostering. And we are actually going to finish off our season today because Christmas is coming and frankly, I want to give my gorgeous husband a break. Lucas, uh, just for your info, is the one who's been behind setting up all of these podcasts and um, recording them, editing them and uploading them so that you can listen to them. And so I want to give a bit of a shout out to him today because he's done an enormous amount of work. But over the next few weeks, he's going to take a break. And so we're going to take a break from the podcast. But today, before we do take a bit of a break, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Christmas, the Christmas story, and just speak a little bit into that in regard to foster care and our journey. And hopefully, in a way that's encouraging to you to bring some encouragement across this season. So first things first, I just want to read the story from Luke chapter 1, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. And in Luke chapter 1 verse 26 it says this, During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Rejoice, beloved young woman, for the Lord is with you, and you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign as king of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limit. Mary said, But how could this happen? I am still a virgin. Gabriel answered, The spirit of holiness will fall upon you, and Almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your aged aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power. Nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary responded, saying, Yes, I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever the Lord has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. Now, it's fascinating to me that in this story, um, these these words that stand out that troubled Mary, these words when he says, you are highly favoured. In this translation that we read, he said, you are anointed with great favour. But in most of the translations, it says you are highly favoured. And Mary was considered someone who was highly favoured with God. And yet, straight after being told that she was highly favoured, there's this um, fear or concern from Mary what do you mean? Like he, she was concerned not so much that the angel had appeared to her, but what he said, the Bible tells us. She was concerned about what he'd said. The, um, the fascinating thing to me about Mary is that in this situation, she was basically given a an instruction from this angel, from Gabriel, that was going to set her life apart and not in a good way. I mean, it set her life apart in a good way now that we can look back in retrospect and we know everything 
that happened and the course of Jesus' life and his death and burial and resurrection. But for her at that time, there were a number of things that were going to happen as a result of this. Um, She would have known at that moment what was facing her. She would probably lose her marriage. Uh, Like, you know, logically she would have thought to herself, what man would believe this story? It ends up that the angel also appears to Joseph and he does believe the story, but at the time that would have been fearful. She would have been fearful about that. There's no way that she would have known that Joseph would stick by her. Um, And a woman of ill repute, a woman who was found to have committed adultery against somebody that she was betrothed to marry during her year-long betrothal period at the time, the normal process would be that she would be taken to the town square, she'd be stripped of her clothing, her hair would be cut off, and then people would walk past and spit and click their teeth at her. This was the normal process of dealing with somebody who would sin by going outside of the betrothal bed, outside of the marriage bed, and uh, and committing a sin against her husband-to-be like this. There's even a possibility that she would have been stoned. And so Mary, in saying yes to the angel, wasn't just saying, I can see the goodness of what you have asked me to do. I mean, obviously obviously she could see the privilege of that and the amazing honor of that. But at the same time, when she said yes, she could also see the challenge that she was going to face. When she said yes to God, she discovered shame. She discovered humility. She discovered disgrace. And yet what is fascinating to me is that the angel says to her, you are highly favored. She was publicly publicly shamed on earth, and yet she was highly favored with God. And that is a huge kind of um, paradox, really, to be publicly shamed on earth and yet highly favored with God at exactly the same time. That's exactly what she was dealing with, and Joseph as well, once he came on board with this whole plan. They had chosen to place themselves in the eyesight of their fellow man in the eyesight of their society as people who were uh, not only poor which they were uh, but people who were shameful people who could be looked down upon and yet they were so highly favored with God because they had said yes to him and then in verse 28 it says that she was troubled by being called highly favored Uh, Which is really fascinating because, you know, I would have thought that that was a good thing to be called. But there's this sense that she, you know, for Mary, she was living a normal existence. And yet all of a sudden she was, she was given this extraordinary task. You get the sense that uh, for, for this young woman living in this, um, this life in this place where there was uh, oppression from Rome uh, where you were just trying to get by that there would have been a sense of just wanting to be ordinary and yet she was singled out with a task and it was a task that while it had honor in heaven it also came with shame on earth and you know even later on in scripture in Mark chapter 6 we see uh, people knew (laughs) people were offended really by the background that Jesus had um, they were offended by Jesus even coming out and starting to speak uh, profoundly in his ministry. 
Um, and they recognized him in his hometown as being Mary's son, not Joseph's. In Mark chapter 6, uh, they say, isn't this the builder, Mary's son, the brother of James and Joseph? And, uh, and so there was this sense, even from the people around in the town where, they, where Jesus grew up, that they were known for this, that this shame was something that had continued to kind of cling to them throughout their life. And yet Mary, in this moment, when she spoke to Gabriel, she answered and she said, let it be just as you have said. Mary was shamed on earth, but she was highly favored in heaven. And to me, that is such a huge tension. And it's a tension that I think we need to grapple with, especially in the foster care world. Because if you have been in the foster care world for any length of time, you will know that it comes with strange challenges, especially not just in regards to how children are raised, but also in regards to how other people see you. And, um, you know, I remember the very first time taking our our respite boy into Baker's Delight and we were standing there. I was ordering something and he just went straight up to the um, the, the tasting sample um, bucket or plate, whatever it was. And he just reached in there and he just grabbed the whole lot in his fist and just started shoving it into his mouth. And I can remember at the time thinking, oh, no, 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 don't. And then he did it. And then I'm sort of standing there and I'm stuck and I'm going, um, you really shouldn't do that. But then I could see the stares of the people around me looking at me going, why can't you control your child? Or how, how is it that you let your child get away with that? And there's this immediate judgmental sort of attitude happening. And it was really eye-opening for me because we'd been in the foster care world for a while, but I hadn't personally experienced that yet. And yet I know most foster carers, after even just a short period of time, know exactly what that feels like. <laughs> you know, you realize, hang on a second, I'm out of control here. This child's doing something that I never would have taught them to do, but just simply because they've come into our home from a completely different background and they don't necessarily know the rules that we would have in place or the boundaries that we would have in place, um, they're, they're behaving this way or they haven't taken to those boundaries because of their trauma and because of their background. And so there's something within us that goes, no, 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 don't judge me, don't judge me. And yet at the same time, you know, we don't want to go, this is not my child because we don't want to humiliate and embarrass the child. And so we take then that that shame, that judgment, that embarrassment, that awkwardness, we take it on ourselves and we carry that and we wear that uh, for the sake of the child so that the child is not humiliated and the child doesn't feel that shame or that embarrassment, but it's something that we are keenly aware of. You know, if there's something about this tension that Mary experienced in this Christmas story that we can understand in the foster care world it's that there is a tension there is something about being in the foster care space that allows us to feel sometimes that judgment and that shame and we are seen by others in some ways not always but in some ways um, as living an existence that is not what people would want or not what people would expect we experience that shame and we experience that judgment. And yet I want to remind you today, as Christmas is coming even just this weekend, I want to remind you that when you say yes to God, and you choose to walk into those hard places because God has called you to walk into those hard places, you are choosing favor with God. It might be shameful on earth, 
but you are favoured in the eyes of God. And the story of Mary shows us that profoundly. I love how Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, speaks in, in Corinthians and he says, I boast about my weaknesses so that God's power may rest on me. Uh, how he says, my grace is sufficient for you. The Lord says to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You know, Paul talked about this all the time, about his weaknesses. I'll boast in my weaknesses. I'll boast in my shamefulness. I'll boast in the judgments that people make about me. I'll boast in those things. Why? Because it means that God's power is resting on me. It means that God gets the glory. God gets to be seen. And I get to be highly favored in his eyes, which is so much more important. It's like the attitude is, you know, I'm actually living here for an audience of one. I'm stepping out in obedience to the Lord. My answer is yes. My answer is yes, I'm going to step into this place and I am going to do what you are asking me to do, even though that task might bring shame on me, even though that task might bring challenge to me, even though that task might bring other people's judgment, I'm going to recognize that God's favor is more important than anything else that anybody could think uh, or point the finger at when it comes to what we're doing with our lives. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 6 verse, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 to 19. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow, what a prayer. Man, if we were able to pray that prayer over each other every day and just understand that you'd make me filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. You see, there is so much more in God's arsenal for us if we understand that what is happening here on earth is simply our answer of obedience, saying yes to God. You can expect the power of God if you're living in obedience to him. It becomes less about your desperation, more about, oh, well, Lord, I'm just doing what you asked, so you better make it happen because I can't. And I can imagine that there were times for Mary and Joseph when it felt exactly like that. You know, this is difficult. This is hard. We've been shunned. We've been set aside. We're being judged. We've got this child. We don't know. You know, I sometimes think about for Joseph, you know, he's thinking to himself, I've got to teach this young man the Torah, and yet he's the son of God. How does that work? You know? All of these questions, how do I raise this child? And we in the foster care world find ourselves in the same situation. How do I do this, Lord? You've asked me to do this. I don't know. I wouldn't have the first clue about how to make the next step or what I should be doing next. But here's the point. God calls us to these things. And then he's the one who provides the way through. He's the one who provides us with the power to be able to do what he's calling us to do. The most important thing I think in the story of Mary is this. We need to learn to say yes to God, even when it's hard. Those who are highly favoured are those who obey. 
those who are not perturbed by the challenge or the difficulty or the persecution or the lack of understanding of others, those who understand that the call of God and the heart of God and the gospel is not about human comfort and happiness and ease and blessing, but service and obedience to God, that to a God that can use us to change the life of others. God is so into our obedience. He is so he so covets our obedience. He so wants it because he sees how we can impact the world around us. And he has built within us the purpose that he has given us that will fulfill us if we follow him to the letter. And I really believe that at this time and in this moment, he is wanting for us to press in and to listen to him more closely and more fully, to hear his voice more profoundly, and to choose to say yes and obey him in everything that we possibly do. As much as Mary could see at the time, she obeyed. She didn't know what the story was going to look like. She didn't know that he was going to grow up, that he was going to uh, go into ministry for three years, that he was going to leave her, that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to rise again. She knew nothing of this. All she knew was the Lord had come to her via an angel and said, are you willing to do this task? And all she could see in front of her was the potential of a baby being born. And her answer was yes. As much as she could see at the time, she obeyed. And we don't know what's ahead. We don't know if it'll succeed. We never see the end of the plan, but we are asked to obey. We're asked to surrender without knowing. We choose to obey because the alternative, frankly, is unthinkable. We choose to obey because in the hand of God, the worst future can bring the greatest legacy. And I love that about God. He sees these things that are in front of us, he knows, he understands. And sometimes as we're traveling along the journey, you say, well, hang on a second, I didn't sign up for this. You know, I signed up just for what I saw. And then this, the, all these curveballs have happened and this journey has gone on such a different trajectory than what I had expected. But, you know, if God told us at the very outset how everything was going to turn out, then we might not have said yes. He shows us just as much as we need to know. What I love about the story of Mary is that she left a legacy that exists for all time and her life was hard. But she had to give up her life to obey and surrender to God's plan without knowing how it would unfold. And it unfolded in a painful way for some time. And then it was glorious. In this painful moment of sacrifice, she learned that those who are highly favoured with God forgive those who have disgraced them on earth because she could see what God was up to. In the midst of the difficulties that we face, in the midst of the challenges that come our way, and in the midst of this season, I would love for you to just remember this story of Mary. She knew her life was no longer her own. She had to forfeit her right to hold on, on to the sins that were against her when she chose to say yes to God. God favours an obedient life. It won't always be pretty. It won't always find favour in the eyes of people. In fact, it may even find some shame in the eyes of people. But obedience to God rests, results in favour from the highest authority there is. And I just think that's an awesome invitation that we have. 
I want to remind you today, if you have stepped into the world of foster care, if you have stepped into the world of kinship care, if you have stepped into the life of a vulnerable child to bring them relief, give them a hope and a future, and you have done that out of obedience to God, even in the times of hardship, even in the times of difficulty, I want you to remember God favors you. He favors you. You are highly favored by him. His favor rests on you because you chose something that was difficult and you chose simply to obey and to say yes. You could only see the step in front of you. You didn't know how it was going to work out, but your answer was yes. And that means an enormous amount to him. I'll just finish with this. I'm favored by the creator, by the very first and the very last of all things. He is majestic and holy and pure and powerful. He is loving and forgiving and merciful and just. He calmed a storm and healed the blind. He's multiplied food and raised the dead. He's condemned the religious and forgiven sinners. He's surrendered heaven to meet me at my level. When I fail, he forgives me. When I'm lost, he finds me. When I'm in a wilderness, he's developing me. When I'm in a trial, he's growing me. He's the author of my faith. He's perfecting me. He's giving me hope for eternity. He doesn't lie to me. He's faithful to me. He's never let me down. He's never given up. He is full of compassion. He taught me about grace. He's ordained me. He's called me. He's gifted and sustained me. He's the benchmark for humility. He's harsh on the proud and gracious to the needy. He's radical politically. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He is for me. I am highly favoured by him because I choose to say yes. I will surrender to him. I will live in obedience to him. No matter the cost, no matter the hardship, regardless of the reputation I get, regardless of who rejects me, they might hate me, they might shame me, they might reject me, they might belittle me, they may even hurt me, but I'm going to forgive them anyway, even when they don't want my forgiveness. Why? Because he hung on a cross for me. He commands me to take up a cross for him, and I will do it. I am highly favoured. By God Almighty. Jesus, I thank you that you came, you gave yourself for us, that you came in such humble circumstances. You came to a mum and a dad who had no idea how to raise the Son of God. And you came in such humility that you left your child rearing to a couple who had no idea what was coming. That simply the question for them was, are you willing? Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to step out into the unknown and step out into a life that is going to bring hardship and it's going to bring shame and it's going to bring judgment and it's going to bring challenge? And because their answer was yes, they got to see the most profound and glorious miracles as you were raised and as you came and you did your ministry and as you gave up your life for humanity, and as you rose again to the highest of heights and took your place as the eternal king of Israel, just as Mary was told about. 
We're so grateful to you that we get to know you, that we get to serve you, that we get to follow you. And I want to pray your blessing and your favor over my friends who are listening today. Because Lord, I know that you have called them to be hope. I know that you have called them into the lives of vulnerable children. I know, Lord, that sometimes it is hard and sometimes they face challenge and sometimes they face judgment and sometimes it feels like shame. And yet they bear that burden because they know that you have called them into it. And so, Lord, I want to pray for your favor on them. I pray for your blessing on them. I pray, Lord, that they would be reminded daily throughout these next few weeks across this season that the God who would go to the lengths that you would go to to come to us and to meet us when we were vulnerable, when we needed pulling up out of the pit, that they are replicating your heart with the children that they are caring for. I thank you that you favor them. And I thank you that every time they say yes, your heart rejoices. I pray you bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening this week. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, we are going to take a break. We're going to be out of action for, I think it's about four weeks. So second last week of January, we'll be back and um, we'll be back online then for season three. Thanks so much for being a part of our community and listening. Uh, Probably a suggestion actually is if you make sure you subscribe to this podcast, then the next time an episode drops, you'll know as soon as it does. And uh, then you'll know that season three has started. So go ahead and subscribe and we will see you in the new year. God bless you. In the meantime, let's remember every child deserves a family. Bye.